Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. How was uh, your last week? Did anybody, was any, did anybody get into last week still without power? A few people, eh? Still lingered. Does anybody here still not have power? <laughs> like, should we? Okay, because we should know that. We need, you need our help if you still don't have power. Um, I, so many people I talked to last week uh, had this kind of like fatigue, you know? Some that only got power, especially Monday or even Tuesday, uh, just, I heard, just they were wiped with, from energy, you know? Like keeping up with food, get food cold and staying warm and, and cleaning the, the lawns and uh, all the wood on the, on the lawns and repairing roofs. Some people had to repair their roofs. And then Easter weekend, in the middle of that, and so many of our teams uh, also had no power but still served last weekend. I felt even this week like I hit a wall. Like I just felt like this week, I was like, oh, why, why am I feeling like like I'm just working in slow motion or something. Like something, it feels like something just happened, you know? And yet, then last night I did something completely different that woke me up. I joined people playing dodgeball last night. And I got invited to play dodgeball at a local gym and someone from uh, our community set it up. And it really woke me up. Nothing like a, like, nothing like a nostalgic game from your past with some competition mixed up uh, with people that are very prone to injury, uh, like myself. <laughs> So like I was limping a little bit this morning, uh, my bad shoulder felt even worse, uh, and I was just like, but it woke me up. It was like, wow, we, there's life. We still have life left, you know? And, and here's what I think sometimes. Sometimes we need something to wake us up. We need something beyond ourselves to remind us that, that life is possible. Last week, uh, we celebrated Easter together, and uh, we talked about this kind of this life that comes from the resurrection, but we really celebrated the moment of resurrection. And many people too often only look at Easter as an event, as something that had happened. Oh, I'm going to find God on Easter, or I'm looking for a community on Easter, and people show up to church, and, and man, our place was like, had at least 35% more than are here today, you know, and people are looking, and people are looking for life, or maybe they're hoping that something's going to be triggered on that day called Easter. And here's what I find. We often look back to Easter as an event instead of a source, instead of... Um, a moment that's not just a moment in time, but that was so instrumental in the resurrection of Jesus that it actually gives us life, and it wakes us up. And uh, today I want to talk about that. For the next few weeks, we're going to look at just life sourced in the resurrection out of the book of Peter. Uh, the Apostle Peter writes this book to people that have recently come to faith over the last you know, decade or so, and, and maybe, maybe more than that, but they're still struggling within a culture around them that doesn't uh, see this life, that doesn't embrace this life, that often even comes against them in some way. And yet, in the middle of that, they're experiencing life that's sourced in the resurrection. So if you've got your Bibles, we actually read this passage this morning, but I want to read it again. First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3 to 9. And so let, let's just read it and see how God uses that in our hearts this morning. Uh, and think about this. Peter is writing to people who have discovered this life sourced in the resurrection. So here's a few uh, phrases from the beginning of this letter. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
By his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you who are being protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, even if now for a little while you have had to suffer various trials, so that the genuineness of your faith, being more precious than gold, that though perishable is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. And although you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with an indescribable and glorious joy, for you are receiving the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's just pray for a moment. God, again, we just come before you. We posture our hearts to hear your word for us. Um, there's so much in here that you, you long to impart into us, God, and we just long that we just say we're welcome um, to hear your voice in the midst of this text and even beyond uh, the short ways we can highlight some things this morning. And for those, God, here that are coming just longing for life, uh, may there be a sense of an open door that they see and hear from you, God, to receive that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Something happens at resurrection that changes everything for humanity. It's a new possibility. It's an open door to new life. It's transformation that takes place for anyone who comes into union with Jesus. That's really key. It's not just knowing about Jesus or saying, oh, he was a historical figure or yes, he died on the cross and rose from the grave. But this transformation, this life that happens takes place for those who come into union with Christ. We say the word relationship and that's important. Union is even stronger because there's something that takes place. The, the Apostle Paul often uses the word that we're in Christ. And that's really significant. And here, Peter, writing to these uh, Christ followers in this time, he uses a phrase called living, that they've discovered a living hope. And that word living really catches, I'm gonna, I don't know about you, but it catches my attention. And he calls it a living hope. And I know living, if you search it up in the dictionary, it's a noun, but I, 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 think, I keep thinking about it as active, you know, something that's living, something that's ongoing, something that's moving. Um, and he talks about life attached to hope. In other words, living is not just a one-time event, like Easter is not just a one-time event. Living is not just something that happened, but, it, but this kind of living that Peter talks about is happening in us and happens through us, and it's a life that God longs to give us when we come into union with Jesus, the Jesus who died and rose from the grave. And anyone who comes into contact with God's mercy is transformed. There's a new birth that takes place. And here's the language Peter uses again to these Christ followers. He uses the word new birth. And if you've read the New Testament or you've come across language around, you know, stories in the Gospels, new birth is not that unfamiliar to us, right? Like people often, the scriptures talk about being born again, right? And so that's kind of where we get this from. When the Greek word there is actually regeneration, it sounds kind of cool, like 
different, you know. New birth, when we talk about that kind of feels like, yeah, I, I understand that. But regeneration really kind of gets to the heart of that. Something is regenerated. Something is brought to life. Something is given life that could not have just happened by themselves. They couldn't have controlled it. Something takes place for it to happen. And think about this. Peter's writing to Christians who are struggling. Even as Christians, they're still struggling. He calls them exiles and foreigners and strangers in this letter. And yet these Christians have experienced something brand new. They came from something to something. They became Christians because they came from something to something. And Peter will use language like death to life. That's, not, that's common in the New Testament. He specifically uses language in chapter 2, verse 9, from darkness to light. I like what he says. He, he calls these people that he's writing to, verse 9 in chapter 2, he says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. The people reading this, like us, many of us here have come from something to something. And we're reading like, I, I, I was thinking about calling it a profound inspirational talk. But it's much more than that, right? See, Peter's reminding them who they are now after they've experienced regeneration into a living hope. He's not like pumping them up with optimism. You can do this. You're amazing. You're great. You have all these skills. Come to my next TED Talk. I'm going to show you, you know, how to do this, this, and this. He's not doing that. It, it, why I call it the most, the most profound inspirational talk is because he's reminding them of something that has already happened to them, and that's why they now are what they are and who they are. They're no longer dead. They're no longer in the dark. They're alive. They're in the light. They're in Christ. So it's way more than inspiration. It's not just a pep talk on optimism. They might need some encouragement. He calls them foreigners. They feel like strangers. They feel exiled. So they might need some encouragement, which he does. But Peter's message isn't a self-help message. It's not, you're not going to find it like in the corner of chapters or on a link on Amazon in that way. It's the truest of enlightenments based on two fundamental truths, that life comes from, one, Christ's death and resurrection, and two, out of God's mercy for you, for me, for the world around us. And that's the phrase that I want to just hone in on for a second, where Peter says, by his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope. And here's the phrase, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Through the resurrection. This life that Peter's readers are already experiencing and he's just reminding them of is rooted in Christ's resurrection doesn't come from themselves. It doesn't come from their experience. It doesn't come from their ethnic uh, background. It doesn't come from the nation they live in. What happened on Easter is this core particle that, that, that makes this living hope possible for them, and he's reminding them, you have this. You're new in Christ. You have this living hope through the resurrection. And I, I think our culture loves to kind of create stories that, that, that mimic this, you know, because we can't really fully create this again. It's happened in Jesus. And the scripture says that it happens in us and we're promised the fullness of it in the future. But stories in our, in our culture try and kind of describe this. Comic books do this too. You, you know the, the storyline of The Flash in DC Comics? And if anybody knows that, you know how this guy got his powers to go really fast? 
there was this particle accelerator that some scientists built, and it blew up. And when it blew up, kind of, I don't know, something happened in the atmosphere, and a whole bunch of people became meta-humans. They, they kind of got this special power or different things, and the flash got, uh, you know, speed. And somehow, in the atomic level, these particles started changing a few people. And I, I, I find it fascinating how culture loves to kind of create these stories, because I think, I think, I think we're all, the idea behind this is like humans can be better, humans can be smarter, humans can go faster, humans can have this, this, and this, and imagine this could happen to transform you in this way. And I think that's part of the reason why some of these stories uh, are written and, and why some of these stories become popular. But here's something that, this is an alternate, kind of like a, a pseudo-resurrection story, but Jesus really did rise from the grave. And in his resurrection, it shows, that, that shows us that there's a qualitatively different kind of life for you and me. There's a qualitatively different kind of life available for people who come into union with Jesus who rose from the grave. It's not meta powers. It's better. It's living hope. It's true. You're not going to run fast with it. You're not going to walk through walls with it. Sorry, there's no promise on that today. But... <laughs> Jesus shows us that this is available to you and me, and the fullness of it comes in the future, but the beginning of it happens now. And that's why Paul can write to also churches in that time period, and he writes that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave is in you. When you are in union with Christ, when you have become a follower of Jesus, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in you. I love how N.T. Wright describes it. He says, becoming a Christian means that what God did for Jesus at Easter, he does for you in the very depth of your being. And then he says this. He says, new life has come to birth within us because new life has come to birth in the world in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This new life, this new birth, this living hope that's possible is possible because it's already happened in Christ. And Christ already rose from the grave. And that resurrection that happened in him can happen in us in the depth of our being. And that's why I love to say this phrase, and it comes to me almost every Easter now for the last several years. Yes, Easter happened, but Easter happens. Easter continues to happen, and Easter's still available for you and me. It happened in Jesus, but it can happen in us continually. And I think, I think that's the core life that you and I are looking for. The authentic living hope found in something beyond anything you and I could ever create, can ever manufacture, could ever put together. It's only possible through the resurrection of Jesus. And here's, here's the next piece of this that's really important for us to understand. It's through the resurrection, but it's out of God's mercy. It's out of God's mercy. This is part of the hope here. Because if it depends on me, if it depends on me doing this, if it depends on a person who's better or smarter or cooler or has a better fashion sense or has more money or has more strength or is wiser, man, I mean, when are we ever going to live up to that? When are we ever going to get to a level to say, oh, now God's going to grant me this life through the resurrection? But I love how Peter reminds them and reminds us today, it's out of God's mercy that he's given you a new birth through the resurrection. It's out of God's mercy. It's for anyone who comes to Christ. This is the beauty of it being a gift for you and me and why we offer this gift to the world. 
and why even though at times the world will see the foolishness of the cross and they will not get the beauty and fullness of the resurrection, we need to keep bringing to the world, hey, here's this gift for you. Here's this, this, this invitation for you. Here's this truth that happened but still happens as you come to discover who Jesus is. And then we get this idea that this is a living hope. This is the hopeful part, right? The hopeful part here is Peter describes this as an inheritance for you and for me. It's something that we don't just receive, but then we also have the fullness of it as a promise. And Peter calls it an inheritance that is undefiled and unfading. It's something that is yours for you and promised, and it's something that never fades, that's imperishable. And this is part of what it means to be a hope because why it's a living hope. It never stops. The hope never dismantles. The hope is never gone. The hope can never be taken away from you. No one can destroy this hope. It's a living hope. It's constant because it's part of your inheritance and my inheritance in Jesus. And so think about that for a second. Let's just, I'm going to just read verse 3 again and think of everything we've said and just let the words sit with you. Peter writes this, right? Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here he says, By his great mercy... He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's for you and that's for me. And that's the message we also offer to the world if they're longing for true life. They can have, anybody we lock eyes with can have this as they turn to Christ. But as we're thinking about this, like what does this life look like? Over the next few weeks, we want to kind of look into this a bit. But what, is this like? what does it look like? Like, what should you look for? What are some clues to say, oh, this is, you know, what it feels like to have this life. What, what are, what are some, what's evidence of this or clues to this? And I think there's just, just two or three, and I'm going to just go through them really fast. One is identity. Like, one is our identity. Peter starts off this whole letter saying, you who have been chosen destined by God, sanctified by the Spirit, obedient to Christ, and sprinkled with his blood. Like these are all words that as Peter writes to them, he's like, this is who you are. This is who you've become. You're a chosen people. We read it earlier in chapter 2, right? You're destined. You're sanctified. You've become people who follow Jesus. You're sprinkled with his blood. In other words, you have discovered the forgiveness, the freedom that comes through the crucifixion of Christ and now the promise of resurrection. And there's elements of this life tied into this new community of people. He's not talking to one person here. He's saying this is who you are together. This is who you are as a community. You're a family. You're connected. You belong to this. And you all have this hopeful transformation that is happening in you. And you're forgiven. And so when Peter talks about this, this is amazing because this means that this new life that you have and I have, we, it comes with a, an identity that so many people, the world, longs for. They long for this. Peter says, when you've come to Christ and you've discovered this life, you receive this identity in Jesus. But here's one I think we, we all long for and need, and it's the idea of resilience. You know, Peter, Peter calls them exiles. He starts off to you exiles in the dispersion, meaning they've been scattered everywhere. Verse 6, he talks about how, you know, even though for a little while you've had to suffer various trials, 
he calls them scattered, you know, they're around. He calls them foreigners, strangers. And yet, they're chosen and destined for this new life. So it's like Peter saying, like, you guys are a scrappy bunch of people. <laughs> you know, you guys really get through stuff. You know, even though you feel like foreigners and you're scattered and you feel like a stranger and you feel like you're getting beat up here and there, you're suffering through this, you are a resilient people. You are a strong people. You are a courageous people. And he says the reason that this is true of you is because of this new life you have in Jesus. So the, a clue to this life that, that we're talking about that comes out of the resurrection is resilience is a life of resilience. I wrote it this way, and I think I put it on the screen. Life sourced in resurrection gets us through the ups and downs of everyday life. Life sourced in resurrection gets us through the ups and downs of everyday life, and even more so to these people that he's writing to and to any of us at any time when we hit trials, suffering, struggles because we're following Christ or because there's oppressive uh, maybe environments around us Peter says, you, can, you will get through this. You are in a new kind of life. Why? Part of it is the life in us. But secondly, it's the hope. This inheritance that's imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for you. I mean, this is like Peter said, like you have this now and you have this later. The fullness of it later. What Jesus promised you, what you received, you're also promised in the future. And this promise means hope. And that hope brings resilience. And this is why life sourced in resurrection produces a resilience. And so when, when, when you're looking for life or when you're talking to friends and neighbors and they're like, well, I long to become and discover life in this way. Man, that's a, and they're like, but, but this, but that. You're like, can I introduce you <laughs> to the source of life that you're looking for? It's in Jesus who died and resurrected. And in that, you can find this kind of life. And here's the, the last little clue. And it's kind of, kind of different. You might say, like, it doesn't feel like a clue. But it, it's, it's the idea of worship. Like Paul, uh, sorry, Peter writes this, right? He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how he starts that, that section. Like, he starts it in worship. It was very common for maybe Peter with the Jewish background to have this daily practice of praying certain prayers that started with the word blessed. And it seems like Peter's repurposing this and this practice. Why, why is he worshiping God? Why is he saying blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Because of his mercy. Because God gives this to us. Because God has done this for us. Because God continues to work in us. He's saying, God, you did this. You've put this together. You've made this possible. And it's because of your mercy. And there's nothing I could have done to do this. And Peter just starts this long paragraph. In fact, if you read verse, uh, I think, 3 to 12, it's like one long line. It's not the greatest grammar in English. But in, in Greek, it works. And as we read it, it works. It's like one long line. He's so excited. And he starts off with worship. Blessed be the uh, Father of G uh, our Father, our God in Jesus Christ. It's amazing as he, as he just starts off in this way, he's so excited and he's worshiping God. And you might be saying like, well, why is worship a clue to this life? Like what does worship have to do with, with life? Well, one is it's this fresh gratitude, right? And we know that the more gratitude we have in our life, the more life we really experience. And Peter is expressing gratitude here. But I think there's another reason why there's life in worship. 
And I think there's life in worship because every person on the planet worships something. And very often, 99% or 99.9% or maybe even 100% of the time, let's say that. Okay, let's clear that up. Let's do better theology. 100% of the time, when we're not worshiping God, we're worshiping something else. And when we worship something else, we're consumed with those things. And so maybe the mall is our temple, or Amazon is our temple, or fame is our temple, or wealth is our temple, or owning, own your truth, whatever that means in our world today. Maybe that's your temple. And so these things are temples for us. And I know we don't visually see this, but it's like as a human being, I, I kind of kneel at their altars. <laughs> And I walk into the mall or I surf through Amazon or I'm hoping people will, will recognize me. I'm looking for wealth or I, I want to make sure that like my truth is my truth and I can share with anybody I want or whatever. And I'm looking for that and I kind of kneel down to these things because my hope is these things are going to give me life. And it's very normal for, for humans, for, and I don't just say humans like everybody outside of this room, each of us too, right? We've got to figure this out for ourselves, that we are devoted to these things at times. And these things drive us, and these things consume us, but ultimately we end up serving them. And that's why worship of God actually frees us, because the mall and Amazon and fame and wealth or all these things, ideologies, I, they, they no, long, I no longer serve them. They're no longer my God. They're no longer the thing that I derive life and value and identity and purpose from. See, God doesn't need you like the, mall, like the mall needs you. When you walk through the mall, the mall needs you to buy something. <laughs> when you surf Amazon's website, Amazon needs you to buy something. That's why they take your returns so easily because they know like they're going to make 10 times more on that return. Like They're so good, Amazon. I love them. I'm just going to buy more because they took my package for free. That, you know, the banks need you and me. Ideologies need people to feed the ideology and spread the ideology. God is a giver. He's not a taker. And so when we worship God, we all of a sudden become free. And we all of a sudden discover life that's not possible by worshiping those other things. And so this new life shifts our worship, and our worship actually frees us. And you might be thinking, oh, wow, Dave, you must feel so free. I struggle with this like you do too. There are struggles in all of our lives because as much as we worship God, these things keep getting our attention and gnawing at us and saying like, worship me, worship me, you know? And so worship frees us. I invite the team to come back as we come to a close. I want to just think about this. We uh, think about these, just these, these clues and ask God to help you see this week like how much these are part of the kind of life he wants to give you. He longs to shape and reorient your identity, my identity, in a way that we can say, oh man, I'm God's kids. I'm, I'm God's child. I'm part of his family. I'm part of what it means to be chosen because as I've come into Christ and I've come to be part of who Christ is, all of a sudden I've become part of a family, a movement, a trajectory that is chosen for him. And it's like, oh my gosh, I get to be part of this? And all of a sudden, that's why, that's why this identity shapes our life and is part of that life. 
That's why resilience, which every single one of us, I know, I need it too. We all need to grow in this, whether it's for normal stuff or it's because we're Christians. We need resilience for human stuff, and we need resilience for people of faith. We need it on both sides, for both things. And that's part of life. And then we're all long for freedom, that we can maybe use some of the things in our world, but that they don't use us, and now we worship them. And so I, I love Paul's words in Ephesians 5. That's why I've been messing up Paul and Peter today, I think. But um, Ephesians 5, Paul quotes as he's writing to this church in Ephesus, and he says, Sleeper, wake up, rise from the dead. Sleeper, wake up, rise from the dead. That's his invitation to us. Sleeper, wake up, rise from the dead. And here's my invitation to you and me, and I'm, I'm speaking to myself as I say this. Are you awake to the life sourced in Jesus' resurrection? Are you and I awake to the life sourced in Jesus' resurrection? Maybe we need a wake-up call. Dodgeball won't do it particularly for faith. It just did woke me up to some other things. <laughs> But we need to be woken up. And this invitation, this word is also for us. Sleeper, wake up, rise from the dead. Are you and I awake to the life source in Jesus' resurrection? You guys can start if you'd like. And, uh, and here's the thing. Man, maybe you're here today. Maybe you came back from Easter. Maybe you've been exploring with us a bit. Maybe you came for the first time and you're like, I, I, I long for this kind of life that's being described here. I'm just seeing glimpses of it, but there's something in it that I... Like there's something inside me that's saying, yes, I want that. And here's the thing. We can long for that. You can long for that. If that's you or maybe you're watching online today, you can long for that. But you'll never discover it. In fact, no one in this room has ever discovered it by just trusting themselves. And you'll never discover it by trusting yourself. And you won't discover it by worshiping the other things we mentioned in our world. If you really long for that life, it only comes by trusting the one who rose from the dead by trusting Jesus who rose from the dead. As Paul says, you have, or you can have, if you're seeking this, you can have a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why Paul earlier says to another town in Rome, in Rome he says, you know, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus rose from the dead, you will find life, you will find salvation, you will find this rescue and restoration. So if that's you this morning, I just, I invite you right in this moment just to, if you're ready for that, just to make a decision. Yes, I, I do believe Jesus has risen from the grave and I long for the life that comes through the resurrected Jesus. I long for that life. And if that's you, when we pray in a moment, I invite you to just pray with us. Pray with us as a step towards union with Christ. Because that's the path, that's the only path to this life we're talking about. It's the only path. I know it sounds exclusive, but there's no other kind of there's no other way to get this life without the resurrected Jesus. It's just impossible. And then to all of us here, me included, this is a question I've been thinking about this through this text. Where am I on the scale between death and life? Like, where am I in my life that I'm experiencing in Christ? Where am I on the death to life scale, on the dark to light scale? 
And here's a reminder for you and for me is this is a life you already have in Jesus. Peter is writing to people who already have believed and come to know Christ. It's a life you already have in Jesus. It's already sourced in the resurrection. God's already given it to you by his mercy. But sometimes, sometimes, even though we worship God and we call Jesus Lord, sometimes all all the stuff over here kind of keeps gnawing at us and grabbing our attention and pulling us away. And we're, we're tempted like, oh, maybe this, like in the moment, this could give us life, but we realize it's not, it's not ultimate life. And so where, where are you today? Yeah, Easter happened last week, but God promises it still happens now in us. We can, we can continue to grow in this life sourced in the resurrection. And maybe if that's you today, maybe you just need to pause and say, Lord, help me see, help me see all a few of these things that have been pulling me away from this life I already have in you. Help me acknowledge that. I want to confess that. I want to let go of that because this is the life I already have in you and I want to grow in. And so maybe there's a moment of just dying to that. I'd done a, just a 24-hour retreat the week of um, leading up to Easter. And it wasn't like uh, the clouds opened up or, you know, the roof and in the place I was staying, like, oh, God is here. But there was something beautiful that, went, that happened. And I realized that just taking that, those 24 hours, I had no idea how crazy the rest of the week was going to be. The storm came, we hosted, you know, this stuff, a bunch of things happened. And I look back and I realized, oh, man, like, I think I would have been a wreck <laughs> that, the rest of the week without that, those 24 hours. It, my, my normal mind, like you and me, would think, well, I, I can't afford those 24 hours to be silent because I got all these things to do. And something happened, the reverse happened. There was a certain kind of peace and life that was available. And I, I think part of what happened was this, by just intentionally taking that day, I said, I said, you know what, I want, I want my busyness to die. I want my overambition to die. I want my overdependence on me and things to die because I just, I need to be present with God. And, and I'm not saying, oh, Dave's a hero. He took 24 hours away. What I'm saying is I learned something so significant in that moment that there's things that I need to constantly die to for resurrection life to keep showing up. And here's what I realized is that that was a mini resurrection moment. So you and I, we need, this is the practice of Sundays and worship and, and, and silence and Sabbath and taking time away and carving time away to be with God. These are these mini resurrection moments. We die to these things that we're confessing and then we're saying, oh yes, I'm reminded, like God has life for me. It was always, it was always available. I just like was too busy for it. I wasn't making room for it. And so I encourage you to create, make, practice these many moments of death and resurrection. That's where life comes from. Amen. Let's pray. And then the team will lead us to just sing a chorus again to help remind us of this and just put our foundation in Christ today. Our Heavenly Father, blessed are you, our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed are you. We worship you. Thank you for your mercy. There's nothing we can do to earn resurrection life. There's nothing we can manufacture. But you call us to die to ourselves and die to the other things we worship, to make room for you. You promise us life. Thank you for that. God, we long 
to continually grow in this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. God, I pray for anyone here who is maybe for the first time or this season is the first season that they're really stepping up to know who you are, to discover you, and they long for this life. And right now in this moment, as maybe they've already prayed or been praying or been thinking, they long for this life and they want to trust you. If that's you today, just just share your trust, your desire to trust God in this moment by letting him know that you have come to know and believe that Jesus did rise from the dead and that you want him to lead your life and to guide you and that you're also dying to the, to, the, to the parts of your life that have been present up until this moment that have not gotten you anywhere near God. That's called repentance. And as you do that today, you're stepping into a life with Christ and he wants to give you resurrection life. So God, I just pray for anybody who's praying that prayer today and making steps of faith that way, God. May they know your response to them. You're welcome in Jesus' name. And God, for each of us here, all of us, give us just a, a better, an increased clarity and discernment this week of the things that are robbing us from, the, from fully experiencing living hope in the resurrected Jesus. Lord, we confess those things before you today. We are, many of us, even as we're, as we're praying, already know, and some of these things are already coming to mind, God, and we just want to lay them at your altar, lay them at your feet, just kind of lay them bare before you. Say, Jesus, lead us. In your name we pray. We long for living hope in the full way that you long for us to experience it. Amen. We place our trust in you. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com giving. Until next time, peace.